in the horror genre. I'm your host, Nicole, and it's time to share another dark tale. Welcome back, weirdos. We're here to celebrate Women in Horror Month, and this year we're doing that with a discussion of our favorite female killers in film. And I am very happy to be joined once again by not just friends, but the best friends of the pod, Sunny and Natalie. Hey, ladies. Thanks for being here. Hello. (laughs) So before we like dive into our specific personal favorites. Um, I want to talk a little bit about why we are covering this topic. Well, first of all, we're covering this topic because I did like a little poll on my Instagram asking people of a few topics, like, what do you want to hear about? Um, And female killers was like, far and away the most popular one. So I was like, okay, this is something people are interested in. Like, let's do it. Um, So what do you guys think? makes female killers interesting, uh, maybe even more interesting than their male counterparts. I guess I'll kick it off. So do it, uh, do it. I guess like <laughs> if we're going to get technical, I think it's a lot of it is based on um, just what we already kind of see in the news. I mean, sadly, I think that I looked up the statistics today. I think globally uh, about 96% of violent crimes committed are by men. So when you see a female killer pop up in any sort of narrative, you automatically have everyone's attention, right? I think women are perceived as mothers, caretakers, and lovers. Mm -hmm. So when you see a woman act out of, you know, what society deems as like normal character for a female role, you're always going to grab someone's attention um, because they're acting so out of, you know, um, out of character. And I think that the specific types of murders that they commit are are a little bit more attuned to a woman experience. Um, again, like a lot of what you hear about is centered around like revenge killings based on like, you know, um, aggravation with their spouse or like you, unfortunately you also hear a lot about, um, uh, mothers taking the lives of their children. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, which again is completely out of character from what we would think, a, a, a you know, a, uh, normal you know female role would be right what about you natalie any thoughts um i think also sorry that i sound so low today um i'm stuffy oh Um, (laughs) but i think um that a lot of it comes down to motivation uh weirdly enough if somebody pitches a movie to me about a male killer who's just like quote psychotic or a maniac and doesn't necessarily have any like notable motivations I don't question it as much as if I would a woman. It always feels like there has to be some kind of a motivation there. A lot of times, like Sunny said, it tends to be um, tied, very tied to gender, um, like a need or a revenge or a jealousy type bit, which I think feeds off the stereotypes that society gives women. Um, But yeah, I would say motivation tends to be uh, where I get drawn in as far as female killers. Yeah, I think... um... 
everything you guys said is spot on, but also being a female watching female killers, I think is always really interesting because of course, as a female, you know, you identify with it in a different way. Um, I feel like a lot of times you either think, wow, I've had that emotion or I've had that thought or you're like, oh, wow, I don't like I'm where is she coming from with that? You know, so I feel like just being a female watching a female killer is also just a different lens. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So some of the common themes as I was uh, just sort of running down the list of, you know, notable and, and prominent female killers, um, I was noticing a few common themes and a few of those, just a few, there are lots, but ones that stood out to me were um, killing on behalf of a lover, a mental break, revenge, which can cover a lot of things, um, and protecting their territory and just like simply living their natural life cycle. Um, what else did you guys see as common themes? Um, for me, I saw, at least in the ones that I had chosen, it came down to like a need, um, for whatever reason. And we'll get into that later. Um, but a need, uh, a lot of revenge, um, and trauma. Yeah. I'm in the same camp. A lot of it seemed like, uh, taking back power that, that seemed to be kind of theme, especially in the ones that um, I know that we all kind of covered individually. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah, that was a big motivator, which definitely want to dive deeper into that. Awesome. Awesome. So before we get into our personal favorites, I just wanted to like run down a quick little list of uh, some of the ones that have been popular throughout, you know, our modern times in cinema and ones that have stood out to me. Again, this is not a comprehensive list. These, this is just a quick little list of greatest hits. So we have Carrie White from Carrie, Pamela Voorhees from Friday the 13th, Angela from Sleepaway Camp, The Queen in Aliens, Love. Mrs. Loomis in Scream 2, um, Brenda Bates in Urban Legend, Asami in Audition, Ginger from Ginger Snaps, Samara from The Ring, Mary Shaw from Dead Silence, Jennifer from Jennifer's Body. So those are uh, all interesting characters that cover a wide range of backgrounds, motivations, results. So let's get into our personal choices. And just for the the benefit of the listeners out there, what we are going to do is we're each going to give our three kind of like top favorite female killers. And two of them are kind of like honorable mentions. And then we have like the one favorite that we're really going to dive into. So Natalie, kick us off with your third choice. Number three, Jennifer's body. Oh, yes. um, I love Jennifer's body. Uh, it's very dated because uh, it was in 2009, <laughs> so lots mm-hmm. of MySpace and weird uh, choices as far as the script. But it's a great story. Um, it is kind of the perfect rape revenge story in a way. But yeah, Jennifer's body for number three. Also directed by a female, Karen Kusama. And written by a female, uh, Diablo Cody. Yes. So <laughs> bonus, bonus points. <laughs> um, I was watching clips actually about it and uh, like about the actors talking uh, with regards to the movie. And they had said that, um, I think it was Megan Fox, said that this movie is really fun because it does tend to pick at how women um, are perceived as always like competing against each other, mm-hmm. um, even like best friends and even in the weirdest ways. So things to think about. Sunny, your turn. Third choice. 
I even had a hard time putting this at third, but it has to be Carrie. Carrie, I think that was the first, um, I guess, female killer movie that I, I can remember, you know, to date. It just has every element that I absolutely love. It's got um, a little bit of like tongue in cheek conversation about religion, telekinesis, which to me, it's like, I just think that is so cool. Um, revenge, obviously love a good revenge story, hints of witchcraft, and then just very violently powerful women. And then like, I don't know, just especially when you're that young and you see this movie, something about it, especially if you grew up like a dorky art kid like me, yeah. I don't know, <laughs> in a deep, dark like place, everyone wants their carry moment. It, you know yeah <laughs> oh and sissy spacek is just like so good and so relatable perfect. yeah for that role and i also love the backstory behind it about how that wasn't really intended to be you know a, a feminist um story i guess but it, it kind of ended up being that way according to stephen king or stephen king's wife right yeah well he was gonna toss it out he was writing it and he was like this is garbage and his wife literally dug it out of the garbage pail and was like this is good you need to keep working on it yeah that's crazy. It's, yeah it's incredible um yeah, yeah well, definitely one of my top favorites awesome so i had also had a hard time just in general picking three like because the more research <laughs> I did the more I was like oh this one's good this one's good this one's good um but my third choice is going to be Julia from Hellraiser brilliant and I just I don't know I remember the first time I saw this movie just sort of like I just sort of hate her and love her at the same time. I mean, she's just this like beautiful, composed woman, but there's just so much going on underneath. And when she is, you know, has the the possibility of being reunited with this man that she was just obsessed with. I mean, she just goes, mm -hmm. she just goes all in and becomes the Black Widow, luring men back into her creepy attic. Super this, high. Yeah, yeah. Vibes with like her allure also, which was really fun. Yeah, and I also see like a little bit of, I mean, I wouldn't call Hellraiser a slasher, but it's it's sort of, I mean, it's it's not really in one genre, but it's kind of in that, came out in 87, so it's in that kind of world of slashers. And so I feel a little bit of Mrs. Voorhees, Friday the 13th, and Brenda Bates, Urban Legend. Like, I think there's a little bit, like they're all sort of swimming in the same pool. So mm. I really, really like the the way that it can all be sort of tied together. Would you consider her a femme fatale, Nicole? Like, do you think some of these women kind of fit under that umbrella term, even yeah, though it's I would a say so. genre? Okay. I would say so, yeah. Just something that came up, like, in the back of my mind when I was watching this, I was like, so is this really, like, a horror movie? I mean, can you consider femme fatale, like, horror? Like, oh, is 100%. It, I mean, it had a, you know what I mean, though? Because it had, like, a, kind of a completely different narrative, like, back in the day, like, in, like, detective mm -hmm. movies or whatever. Mm -hmm. But this is, like, a whole other level, you know? <laughs> um, yeah, for quick, sure. Quick plug, there is a... Uh, comic it's an image comic called fatale um that deals with it's essentially like a femme fatale um narrative like a noir uh but put to a lovecraft um type world wow. and it is wonderful and it's like the perfect epitome of like femme fatale horror it's very very fun that's great love yeah. it love it all right natalie Second choice. <laughs> um hey <laughs> so choice number two um happy death day uh, which I was surprisingly delighted about. Um, 
I used to work at a place where they would say, you know, always try for the surprise and delight. And when I came out of there, that's definitely what I felt like. Um, I thought it was going to be like a super cheesy slasher. And I was totally fine if that was the case. Um, But it was a lot of fun. And it wasn't what I expected at all. You think it's over and then it's not over. And it's kind of the best part. Love that. I actually have not seen Happy Death Day, but I've heard good things about it. I didn't want to talk about who the actual killer yeah. was. Um, there's a bunch of women in the movie, so it's hard to be like, oh, that's the only other one. Um, but it's great. It's a, it's a very fun twist at the end. Gotta love that. All right, Sunny, what is your second choice? My second choice, um, not sure how conventional this is or not, but um, it was a newer one, so I kind of had to shout it out being incredible, was Invisible Man. Yes. Um, I mean, again, I don't know if we can call, I mean, depending on how you interpret the ending, but, um, I mean, female who kills, I mean, she, she fits the mold <laughs> at least well enough for me to, like, want to talk about this movie. I just love it because it uh, takes the idea of gaslighting to a whole new level and, like, makes that a truly, like, horrific terrifying and also very frustrating experience you really get the sense of frustration um dealing with something like that through this movie i mean everybody that she tries to reach out to either thinks that she's crazy or puts it back on her um and i I, i'm really happy that someone was able or that they were able to kind of recreate that feeling you know through that movie I don't know. And, and I also love that at the very end, I mean, you empathize with her and you're happy that, you know, she, she kind of had her moment, but there's also like, you're a little bit afraid of her too. <laughs> she has this kind of like, you know, someone who was completely victimized. You're like, Oh my gosh, you know, she has this, uh, this new, like enlightened sense of, you know, power, but, um, that was yeah, like, what's she going to do now? Like, yeah. is she going to just like live her quiet life or exactly. what? Yeah. <laughs> um, so, oh my, I was just surprised. I mean, at how much I loved it. I really wasn't sure. Um, but man, after seeing it, it's, it's one of my, my top favorites now for sure. It's awesome. Okay. So my second choice, I kind of like, waffled back and forth for my first and second choice but um i am gonna throw it out to our girl annie wilkes from misery because i don't know if there's ever been a more unsettling woman on film than annie wilkes and uh in the book as well if you if you have if you like the movie and you haven't read the book i definitely would recommend it because it's it's different but so so good something about her even though she's clearly unbalanced um, and we don't know exactly what that is. We don't, they don't ever clearly define like why that is, but she has these moments of sweetness. And even though, you know, she's off, you can kind of see maybe the person she used to be. And so it's all the more unsettling when she just shows up at his bed in the middle of the night looking deranged. <laughs> um, yeah. um, I watched Misery for this podcast uh, because you'd mentioned that you were teetering between those yeah. two. I'd never seen it. She is so unsettling, right? She's, I think, so when we first saw it, um, she comes off as just like, you know, something's off. And I think that that is tied to the idea of like anyone who's super tied up in like purity culture or like a very, very prudish person something just always for me anyway something always feels off like this person like they have a mask on something's wrong yeah (laughs) like like they are um prohibiting themselves from experiencing this part of life 
um, and wanting anybody else to experience it. And that just leads to like a bad road. And then she had her fits and I'm like, man, she's, she's not all right. Well, and I think part of it too, in the, the film is that Paul Sheldon is played by James Caan, who is this large, intimidating man. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if it would have been like somebody that was smaller in stature or somebody that we hadn't seen in gangster movies, like I think it (laughs) wouldn't have been quite as intimidating. But it's like, oh, my gosh, like Jimmy Caan is this big, like tough guy. And this little dowdy woman has like got his number and there's nothing he can do. And that last scene when they're physically fighting each other, I mean, oh you feel God. like they are equally matched for oh, sure. 100%. <laughs> She's stocky, dude. Like young Kathy Bates is a force. <laughs> Truly a force. Yeah. yeah I had no idea. Super and cool. And she won the Academy Award for that role. So really? props to her. Wow. She did. Yeah. Best she actress? Won Best actress. And wow. that was her first uh, major film role. She had done like some stage cool. and stuff, but that was her first major film role and she knocked it out of the park. Dang, that's right. That's I awesome. had no idea. Yep. Okay, time for our favorites. So what we're going to do is we're going to talk about when we first saw this movie, why this particular character sticks out to you, uh, and also um, who let's who the director is. Let's let's give some credit on these. So Natalie, what's your favorite? So kind of unconventional, but I actually chose Under the Skin, uh, which was from 2013, and the director is Jonathan Glazer. Um, I looked him up. I don't think he's really done much else. Um, it's kind of like a standalone feature, which is a shame. Um, but yeah, the character in this uh, that I'll be referring to is the female who's played by Scarlett Johansson. And that's yes. how she's billed. Love it. Um, what a bizarro movie. Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh my God. So this, crazy. Dude. So this movie came out in 2013 and ahead of its time super super ahead of its time so aj and i were um we we were just now getting into like kind of like art house art horror movies and um we had began to frequent the tampa theater a lot um because they tend to play a lot of independent films there and i think the only a24 movie that we had seen or really that had come out that we had seen up until then was like spring breakers and a24 wasn't really known for like the craft like they are now as far mm-hmm. as what they're choosing to produce um this movie is pinnacle a24 horror yes <laughs> um in that i mean like the story is very is relatively basic um it's it's almost like a um like a parable of a story uh that is set in this bizarre scenario it's just this weird world um so i'm assuming and this is all assumption uh that the female is an alien paired with these i call them the bike men (laughs) yeah um all the motorcycle men um who kind of nobody talks really uh tell her where to go (laughs) you know tell her quote unquote uh what's expected of her and uh, so she is in a van, very like creepy uncle style in a van, scouring the streets of, I think, Scotland, um, just looking for prey. Um, and I say it that way because that is the optimal term. She, when she gets into the town, she immediately goes, buys a fur coat, is very like the imagery is very on the nose. Um, she's in this van. She's looking for prey. She's looking for loners. And they're always men. And then she brings them back to wherever she's staying. And the minute they go in to that abode, 
they are immediately met with a very spoopy soundtrack. Yes. Chinese-esque. Yes, very. Yes. Very goblin um, She's walking into this void, for lack of a better word, and slowly undressing as she walks. And the men are so infatuated with her that they follow her and like most of them are very quick to to uh, strip down as well and if, if you've ever seen like um stranger things yes yeah whenever so when i first saw stranger things i was like what the hell uh whenever <laughs> 11 goes into the void to look for people it's very much that same imagery except that the floor isn't really made of water it's almost mirrored and then whenever the men do sink in it's like a tar that they kind of fall into this movie is terrifying <laughs> um, for a number very. of reasons. Uh, I love the way that it was laid out. It starts off, she's very much the predator looking for the prey at all costs to feed whatever it is that eats these men underneath the floor. And then as time goes on, she actually meets a man who kind of, it's the first time that she's felt some kind of emotion, whether that be pity or empathy or something that she decides to let him go. And the roles kind of reverse. She goes very quickly from being a predator, not showing any kind of human emotion, just very cold, um, literally in a skin suit, uh, <laughs> to wondering like, what is it that makes humans human? You know, like at the end, becoming the prey to a hunter, or to a predator. A couple of things about this movie uh, that were the most disturbing to me was how cold she was. Uh, there's a scene where this family is at a at the beach. And so the wife goes in after the dog. And this is Scotland, right? So it's choppy as hell out there, okay? It's cold. And it's cold, right? So she's looking at a man who's, like, body surfing or whatever. And she sees that he's alone. And she's, like, preying on him. And she waits for him to come ashore. But he sees his family on the other side. And this woman's chasing this dog who's gone out too far. And the dad goes to chase the mom who's gone out too far. And this man, who does not know this family, feels the innate urge to go try to help them, right? Surely he's thinking, I can swim better than them. Let me help right. them, whatever. And that, in that moment, shows his humanity, his, his humanity right? And like mm-hmm. her inhumaneness to not feel anything or be any kind of like, no urge. No not even no, respond to that even, situation. Not no. even an eyebrow raise. She doesn't even, under, like, you can tell she doesn't even understand, like, no. what's She doesn't happening. even understand what's happening. So he goes out. The parents die. This man comes back to shore. He's, like, completely out of it. She takes him. And you realize, because it's off screen at first, and you hear this cry, and you're like, what is that? And then you see that there's a baby on shore, and you're like, these parents died. This baby's there. She's grabbing this man. She's walking to her car. She doesn't even flinch to look at the baby. She doesn't even, like, there's no registration that this child will die. No. Right? She gets to the car. It cuts to bike man number one. Bike man number one goes back to the beach and you think, surely he will do something about it. Absolutely not. He goes back to retrieve the towel that was left by victim number three um, (laughs) and completely ignores the baby. And the baby is crying and it killed me because it was not something that ever stuck out to me before. And I'm watching it and I'm like about to cry like like how could you ever how could you ever it was and then that was brutal and then she's in the car later on in the movie and you hear the radio and it's like talking about how this family is missing and the baby was 18 months old and i'm like god Artie's 18 months old Oh. oh my god and it's just heartbreaking but honestly brilliant way to show 
how much of an alien she is right in that scenario as well as when she's walking and those women like scoop her up and they're like whoa and they're all yeah. going to party <laughs> yeah, and she's girls. Like, bewildered like i don't understand <laughs> what's happening type did a very good job of showing how confused and out of place she was and then at the end when she finally does understand really what it is to be human it comes along with the sad reality of what it is to be a woman alone in the woods right yeah and she very quickly becomes the mouse that gets chased by the cat and it's just really sad but it's well played out also i at the, at the end whenever the the guy in the woods yeah go like he just very sort of like when he realizes that she's not a human he just yeah. sort of like very very, well but he like sort of very calmly pours gasoline on her and sets her on fire like very casually yeah yeah like he doesn't even seem like oh my gosh what is this thing common sense would say run away and don't turn around yeah like i would think that that would be the kind of thing that could like shatter you as a person if you saw this like basically monster yeah alien whatever i think i think what it is also is the fact that he didn't and he did turn around and he did choose to try to eliminate this creature's life shows you where the power really lies at the end of the day yep like common sense says run away don't look back that thing could hurt you but in his Mm -hmm. brain he he thought like surely i can do this thing to her surely that won't matter surely she can't hurt me it's entitlement and ego throughout the entire traumatic experience like we really want to boil it down to that yeah honestly in essence yeah i also wanted to mention just like the visuals in this movie and how great they are specifically when you see the like meat on the conveyor belts yes oh my god yes like you said like you sort of know what's happening but i was just like this is like what (laughs) kind of feels like phantasm a little bit and i was thinking like 2001 a little bit like that space scene um what i thought was bananas and i still have to look this up because i told myself i was gonna look it up and i forgot to bananaramas um was the scene in the beginning of the movie where she is uh, confronted with this woman whose clothes she's going to steal. Mm-hmm. And in this space that is pure white, mm-hmm. um, but they come off as being darkly lit. Mm-hmm. But you can still see like the brightness shine a light on them. It's very confusing to look at. Um, and I'm super curious about how they filmed that as well as how they filmed um, those void scenes because of how pitch black it was like how much cg was used how i don't know just so many questions about how those scenes were filmed because of the practicality of it also brilliant casting scarlett johansson like she was perfect she was perfect brilliant (laughs) so i actually looked up a lot of behind the scenes stuff for this movie because i was just like same thing like how did they accomplish everything okay so originally this director um had a budget you know that was uh for a much just more involved movie with lots of cgi and like high Mm. production quality um and the original story was supposed to be a husband and wife alien Mm. Um, and the husband was originally cast as brad pitt oh wow and they cut it for whatever reason i think he actually went a completely different because it's actually based off of like either a book or a short story yeah yeah and i think that he ended up going another direction he um he ended up shooting it with um 
lower end cameras. They, a lot of those actors in the very beginning, when she's picking up these men in her van, they're not actors. They're not actors. Yeah. Oh, love and that. a lot of it yeah. was filmed with hidden cameras, which I find very interesting. The humanity gender powered is like, like that too. Yeah. It's where, where they're like just random people in the street that are passing yes, by. And they kind of yeah. just layer. The people in the street scene, um, I figured it had to be kitten cameras because of the angle at which they were filming people. Yep. A lot of them were like slightly tilted upwards. Like I think of the woman that's looking at the shop mirror um, mm-hmm. or the shop window and she has no idea there's a camera there. <laughs> yeah. And a lot of it so that the areas that you're talking about that felt like really abysmal was like either, you know, obviously there were many mirrors involved and there were, they filmed in like nice. this, um, I don't know if it was like a warehouse setting, but just some stage setting, literally put a mirror on the ground, shot it. Um, and then they shot it again with the actors walking into a pool of water and then wow. later I think oh. lightly retouched it with CGI and wow. but barely any I mean how the, smart wow yeah it was actually a pretty um they did a lot with a little bit from what I understood all right any final thoughts before we move on just that just oh that. <laughs> uh, on the note of females in uh or women in horror, I guess. Uh, that was, I also read behind the scenes, her first fully, Scarlett Johansson's first fully nude scene. And no one made a big commotion about it because of the, the way that it was shot. I guess wow. the way that they um, kind of like, because it was like full frontal nudity when she was expecting her body and her skin and mm-hmm. everything else, but it wasn't done in a, I mean. It wasn't um, a sexual so, thing. Right. Yeah. It was very much it, like it was, a discovery and a curiosity. Yeah. Exactly. But you I didn't hear it. Usually you hear buzz about that. And, mm-hmm. and this one was, was not one of those. So. Yeah. That was something I definitely noticed as well. I was like, oh, wow. I was like, she's just completely naked a lot. <laughs> yeah. You know? yeah. And it, yeah, but it didn't seem, it didn't seem like a big deal. It seemed very natural. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, um, very quickly. So sorry. I completely forgot to add this in. Um, the gentleman, uh, the uh, deformed gentleman that she brings back with her, mm-hmm. um, who kind of catches her off guard. Mm-hmm. What's really interesting, something really interesting that I thought, uh, whenever she was bringing everybody else in, she never fully stripped down. Like, she was maybe in, like, a brassiere and jeans or something like that. And it wasn't until that guy that she realized, like, she needs to do more to attract him in because he already has all of these walls built up. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah he's sober everyone else was drunk mm-hmm. yeah. and he goes to her and he says are we dreaming are we in a dream you know and she says and yeah that we're little dreaming. cutaway with his hand and you see him pinch himself that just like yeah. broke my heart. Oh, my heart by the way that actor like that was not makeup no that he, yeah he actually has a deformity like that was his real face it has Man. something to do with the growth of tumors under the skin right which is also mm-hmm. kind of an interesting choice yeah my whole heart yeah. Yeah, well, I know. Yeah, just that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Now for something oh. completely different, <laughs> but no less depressing. Sunny, what is your favorite? <laughs> well, I picked this one as my favorite for this topic specifically, but it is uh, Monster. Um, Monster by director Patty Jenkins, written and directed by Patty Jenkins, 2003. Um, I think I saw this one in my uh, my college years when all of my unhealthy like interest for serial killers and all this like just started blooming. And of course, she's a female (laughs) serial killer. I was intrigued. She's also from Florida. Yes, Um, I didn't know that. 
really when I, I knew barely anything about this movie uh, oh florida gosh. woman yep. florida <laughs> woman florida woman quintessential <laughs> um so i think i um i think this is my favorite because i mean you guys know i'm a true crime girl so this was my excuse to kind of like link this into true crime so she's a real <laughs> female killer right um yeah. so number one you know truth is scarier than fiction all day every day i also think that she is an interesting character to discuss because i have noticed in every single movie that we watch for our top three all of them involve sexual assault right mm-hmm Oh. I think it's a very interesting theme in a lot of uh, women in horror um, uh, genres. But this one in particular is interesting because while sexual assault is used as a means to um, justify a woman's like revenge, rampage, kill, murder, um, she actually used it as a means to justify why she killed not yeah. to say that that is not part of her background and part of unfortunately who made or what made her who she is but there was a um a lot of facts to back up the fact that um her first victim yes more than likely he was actually well he was tried for rape um i don't know if that he was actually convicted um so he did have that background but the rest of them they cannot prove it and they're pretty sure that it was uh, her in survival mode you know at that mm-hmm. point um and I think a lot of it, I mean, she, one of her quotes was something like, and it does make you so sad because you see her like her as a person. Um, and even in the movie, they portray it so well. Like Char- Charlize Theron, first of all, let's talk about that. How amazing of a job that she did her mm-hmm. transformation into that character. Yes. Mind blowing down to the hair flip. Like everything did so on brand. (laughs) Another Academy Award winning performance for Best Actress. Yes. I was actually Holla. I don't know how I felt about Charlize Theron in this movie. (gasps) Really? Um, for a number of reasons. But I'm not saying she didn't do a good job. She did a great job in the role that she was given 100 percent I was kind of frustrated because I looked I I looked into it after the movie was over because some didn't sit right. And I feel like, so I, I watched her uh, her thank yous for the Academy Awards because I had seen that she had won the award for it. And she didn't mention this woman once um, during her award ceremony, which was really weird to me because the woman was still alive when they were filming this movie. Oh, wow. Yeah. Which also felt, I feel like, personally, um, part of it just felt really exploitive, um, which kind of adds a weird layer to it. Uh, I think because... I don't know if, if what I was reading was correct, but her girlfriend, like that was portrayed in the movie, obviously the name was changed and stuff. And um, two of the police officers like sold her story to the media and like to people who were writing books and people who were writing movies. And she's literally rotting in jail waiting to be killed. Just feels off. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's why yeah. she is the quintessential, I think, woman in horror. Because if you're going to tie um, any sort of feminist criteria centered like motivation, it would be mm-hmm. Eileen gets it. Um, and I think that was like one of her last comments. I think her her last recorded ro- words were, "Thanks a lot, society, for railroading my ass." And I it was because that. a lot of them, yeah, used her yeah. for books, movies, interviews, um, and she felt that she was being used her entire life life it's so sad man and yeah and never really um gained anything from it everyone gained from her but never for her um mm-hmm. and that's why that's why i say like i i feel for her and i mean it's terrible but based on you know um 
the way that she had to grow up, um, she was a young mother, uh, 14, is what I mean when I say young. Um, and she also um, was impregnated by her grandfather's, like it was a family friend. Jeez. Grandfather raped her, brother raped her. Um, she started uh, trading sex basically for like cigarettes and money by the time mm-hmm. she was 11 years old. So again, this is all this woman knew. She was surviving. And I think that after a certain point, she was just filled with so much hatred and resentment that she found that I think it happened one time. And when she realized, I don't need to accept $30 for something that, you know, I absolutely abhor at this point. Um, I can just take them for everything and leave no witnesses. And that's what she did. Um, And I also think that it's interesting that, again, um, you know, uh, again, sexual assault is a really big uh, motivator I've noticed in um, a lot of women in uh, horror films, which I'm not quite sure how I feel about that personally. But I I find Eileen interesting because she weaponizes it and not necessarily in a truthful way, even though it has happened to her. The the thing that, you know, put her into prison was, you know, pure revenge, pure, like, you know, hate motivation and upbringing. But um, ultimately her defense for it, you know, wasn't, wasn't actually true. So I find that very, um, she's a very like conflicting and it's very tough. um, I don't know, to kind of like think about these things and then think about like how she defended herself, you know, in that context, it's very complex. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It's super complex, is the thing. Um, I, I don't know. It was really heartbreaking, you know. And like watching how the movie dealt with it, I thought was really cool because I, I don't know. I felt really bad. Her friend in the movie, um, the guy, the her only friend yes. in the movie. Um, when I saw him at the end, anyway, try to tell her to like go out through the back. I was like, he knows something. He knows they're narcs. He knows. He knows. He really wants to save her. He really cares about her. Um, but she can't see it. Like, and that's the thing about women, or not even women, just think about people that have like trauma. You know what I mean? And are, I don't think, like apt mentally because of it, um, which is also a side note. I can't believe that she was actually killed because she should have been flagged for being mentally unstable. Ah, uh, yeah, that's another. Oh, welcome to Florida. Yeah, <laughs> unfortunately. Um, but yeah, just just seeing how destructive um, people can be towards themselves and to the point to where they don't see who their allies are. They just see the world is against them and I need to survive. is really heartbreaking. But, you know, kind of the beautiful, weird thing about that is at the end of the day, and this is why I say quintessential like feminist, like women in horror story. The only person she found camaraderie and understanding through was another woman. Yeah. And yeah. Claimed to not like be gay um, when they first met and had never right. really been with them. But at the end of the day, that's, you know, this person has seen what it's like to be in this position. Yep. And yeah. So I was looking at it and I think it's either one in five or one in three women will be um, victims of a sexual assault in their lifetime. Um, so it definitely makes sense that most of women in horror tend to be some kind of sexual assault victims. Um, because of how many women in real life tend to be. <laughs> yeah, yes. that's it's one of those just like universal themes. You know, I think yeah. all all women can relate to that being in a dark parking lot or or something right. and just being like cautious and worried about like, okay, like something really bad could happen to me right now. So I think that's that might be one of the reasons why we see it, especially in um, works that are crafted by women. 
You Did know? your parents yes. ever have that conversation with you guys? Like, you know, don't drink from open cups at parties. If you're in a parking lot and you're by yourself, put your keys in between your hands and stuff. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I mean, my to some extent, like whenever I first like graduated college at my first job, had my first apartment, like my parents gave me mace to keep in my purse and right. yeah, all that stuff. And see, and that brings me back to, and I totally agree with, you know, um, the reasoning behind why we see a lot of these things pop up, especially in um, women directed films. My mm-hmm. only criticism my, I shouldn't even say that. This is just my devil's advocate point is do women like in terms of like sexual assault as a motivation for like reclaiming power, do women still need men in order to project power in a film narrative, even no. if it's taking back power in that sense? No, I don't know that we're there as a society, <laughs> to be honest. Um, my immediate answer is no. Uh, well, I guess I just mean it in the sense of like, we, we're still seeing it in a different mm-hmm. capacity. Oh, we're for still, sure. We're, we're seeing it as this woman was weak. She was um, like, um, in a, uh, well, we'll get to it, I guess, <laughs> in a couple of these, <laughs> you know, there's, they're seen as weak, they're victims, um, you know, uh, only after they kill a man do they be, do they kind of regain <clears throat> some sense of power? That's a really good point. So that's the only thing that I wonder about. And also just real quick on, um, I guess, like perpetuating like rape culture through some of these films. Mm -hmm. The only other devil's advocate point that I thought of was, I mean, everyone is familiar with Deliverance, right? Mm -hmm. I've never seen Deliverance. Really? Do you know why Deliverance became popular, Natalie? No, I do not. (laughs) Now I'm really nervous. (laughs) (laughs) It was because of a pretty brutal uh, rape scene in the movie. and um, Man on man. Yes, man on really. Uh huh. Uh huh. Okay. So, I mean, and that really—not that the South, you know, um, needs any help <laughs> in this department, but it really affected the way that you know a lot of us thought about that region because of this rape scene. And hmm. in that case, then what does that mean for women? You know, in in some of these movies where rape Dang. scenes happen, you know. So that, I don't know. Just something to so, think. Interesting theme, and this is a little off topic, but it's it's relevant, so I'll go there. But um, that's one of the things that I've heard talked about with slasher films and, like, The Final Girl um, is that the final girl usually in the last act has to like take her power right and kill the big bad and it's usually with something phallic an axe a knife a chainsaw (laughs) (laughs) and so that is um baked into certainly not all horror but the slasher genre like for sure which by the way plug for um behind the mask the rise of leslie Leslie (laughs) vernon yeah if you haven't seen leslie vernon like i feel like they they point out these things but also i think uh sort of like reclaim the story and kind of turn it into something else so anyway yeah that's why that's why i love jennifer's body so much though is it plays with that right because they're like we need a virgin and she reiterates like yeah i'm a virgin thinking that it's going to keep her safe yeah she's like i'm not even a backdoor virgin (laughs) (laughs) right and then everything just backfires yeah it's great all right. So um, my favorite one, which again, this one, I, as I thought about it, I've always loved this movie, but as I thought about it, I was like, is this really a female killer movie? Cause I think she only kills a couple people, but I'm like, 
I guess it it qualifies. She doesn't she she's not as much of a predator as uh, Eileen or the female. But mine is Mary Mason in American Mary, which was directed by the Soska sisters. And it was released in 2012. I first saw this movie. I think it was in 2012 at a horror convention that the Soskas were at. And so I got to meet them at this convention and I hadn't seen any of their movies yet, but I was super interested in American Mary. Um, I was just sort of just drawn in by like the visuals of the trailer and stuff. And I just really related to these women. They're a set of twins um, because they like look cool. They have great style. Everything I read about them, they seemed like really interesting people. And then when I met them, they were like super sweet. I was already jazzed Aww. to see their movie. Um, so and cool. Yeah. And so then when I saw the movie, it was, I was just like captivated. And when it was over, I was just like, I want to watch it again right now. <laughs> um, I just really fell in love with Mary. She's great. Yeah. I just, yeah. It, it, it's another one of those like conflicted characters that um, you like want to be her friend, you know, you yeah. want to like see her make good choices right. and she just doesn't make good choices. Um, so just a short rundown for people who have not seen it. Um, it's about this super smart, promising, beautiful med student, Mary. And uh, because she's training to be a surgeon, medical school is expensive and she doesn't have any money. So she goes to, she's like, you can tell she's been waitressing or something and she's not getting shifts and she's not making money. So she's like, screw it. I look good. My body's nice. I'm going to strip. <laughs> like that's the easiest way for me to make money. I'm just going to do it. And when she goes to have her like interview to be a stripper, um, you can tell there's shady business going on at the strip club and somebody is really badly beat up. And uh, the guy who owns the strip club who's interviewing her is like, oh, you're training to be a surgeon. I'll give you $5,000 if you'll stitch this guy up and not say a word. So she's just introduced to this whole underground world and through many twists and turns and interesting characters she gets introduced to the world of body modification she is invited to a hoity-toity party with a big group of professors including her kind of like mentor professor who proceeds to roofie and rape her and um she ultimately ends up kidnapping him and performing involuntary body modifications on him and holding him captive. Um, eventually she kills him. <laughs> it's a, it's a crazy movie. It's just a crazy, crazy movie. Um, but Mary is great. Her friend Beatrice is great. Ruby real girl is great. I mean, you're just introduced to this cast of bizarre characters that can't be real, but like you're just here for it and you just buy it. One thing that I love, love about this movie is I love a good crushing ending. And I really, really admired that they went there and decided to kill her because I think that was kind of like the only path kind of for her character as sense. she went down the yeah. dark road yeah i agree and they yeah. got so much flack for that no yeah, i yeah. think it was the right choice but yeah. that last shot of her like laying in her the, the pool of her own blood and her beautiful Just, dress uh, and her I beautiful shoes. oh my gosh oh, like when she's reaching for the the scissors and the pincers i was like yeah. this is gonna be some like 
splayed out, beautiful overhead shot. Yeah. <laughs> and it's oh, the beautiful you- like piano version of Ave Maria playing yeah. over it, which is great. Have you guys ever heard of an anatomical Venus, like the, the, the models that they use back in like Victorian days to like study anatomy and things like that? I feel like that whole scene was based on an anatomical Venus. So they were wow. like these beautifully like wax crafted sculptures and you would remove um, pretty much the entire like chest panel and see like all their oh, innards okay. and stuff. That's but rad. when I saw that, that was just because it was so like ethereal looking and then obviously so disturbing, but yeah, it was just wow, um, yeah. Yeah, you're that was, right. Yeah, it was such a That's great, amazing. like, oh, it was beautiful in, a, yeah. in the most, like, disgusting way, obviously, but. <laughs> yeah. I just, I thought it was so interesting, too, how, like, when we first meet her, she's, like, living in this crappy apartment, and her life is just sad, and it's such a struggle, and then when she becomes, like, the rock star of body modification, she just becomes so just, like, confident and, like, like, do not come in here if you don't want something serious. Like, you're wasting my time. Like, you're she knows. You're wasting my time. Yes. Yes. Yeah. She, like, yes. she acquired, like, the, the strip club male owner's, like, bodyguard, and now he works for her. And, like, I people love out of love their that. relationship <laughs> yes. so much. Yeah. Bring like, her a milkshake. <laughs> I love their relationship so much. Like, I love that he's, like, never apologize for what you do. Like, mm-hmm. you are that bitch, and I am here for you, friend. And it was always, like, Never that line with him not at all like because the guy who runs the club obviously is infatuated with her um hey that like, guy oh god yeah. he's the worst. Yeah, why, why is she into him i know worst. that was so confusing to me yeah but the the bodyguard guy solid guy good yeah. guy <laughs> yeah for sure for sure <laughs> and yeah just the um that care the characters oh my gosh I loved that it kind of went that direction not what I was expecting I was just expecting full-on murder but the body mod thing I thought was like a super cool like segue into just something really different you know yeah um, I had never fun. seen anything like that before the yeah. only thing that I can think of that has that that I've seen it's this movie with Dennis Quaid and I'm trying to remember what it's called now I think it's called The Horseman Mm, yeah I've seen that and at the end and uh, I mean like quote body mods but just I think they did the suspension thing like to a Mm. T in that movie and it was very much seen as like this there's a lot of that kind of imagery but taken to like a higher level in Hannibal the tv show also yeah where they they do lots of really disturbing things to people's bodies but they turn it into art and it's like wow that's dope yeah I was kind of let down um I wanted whatever like I know that sounds really ridiculous uh (laughs) but because when the twins came in and they were like oh we want to get our our arms switched out I was like that's cool and bizarre okay let's pretend that's easy um and then they were like "Ooh, and we want this and it's like the blueprint and she looks at it and you're like man i wonder what's on that piece of paper and then you see it and you're like oh what's it <laughs> and then you don't get to see the actual transformation no. yeah because like I, i'm like mm. yeah oh, I, have I, have to say, dermals I don't aren't crazy to me but that yeah, like, also could just be me <laughs> I don't really love that whole scene. Like, I'm like, great, Saskas. I'm glad you're in it. But, like, I don't understand why you're in this movie. <laughs> like, sure. I didn't really need that little subplot. Maybe it was just, like, to get another to surgery scene of her. Yeah. yeah. I, w- I do wish there was more of that. I do wish that there was more um, more body mod stuff, like, more intense body mod stuff, as opposed to just her torturing him. Yeah. <laughs> um, which was terrifying, especially when juxtaposed with, like, the little that you did see of her 
actually doing the surgeries. Um, yeah. His mouth being sewn shut really messed me up. Oh, yeah. Ugh. And uh, they, they said that part of the reason they wrote this story the way they did is to just sort of acknowledge the grossness that they have experienced in the film industry, yes. especially mm-hmm. as attractive twins. And and yeah. they're they're pretty young too. Like when they made this movie, they were late twenties, early thirties, maybe even a little younger. But um, so you know, I don't I don't know that that I don't think that story is like highly autobiographical. But they said you know right. we've interacted with a lot of people who at first seem nice and then end up being real sleazy. So apparently, when they were trying to make this movie, nobody would fund it. Like mm-hmm. they had a really hard time getting funding. Um, after people read the script and after like years of trying, I guess their parents like refinanced or took out a second mortgage or something. And they like funded their kids project Yep, that eventually <laughs> made it. <laughs> but yeah, they just, they couldn't find a studio that would like back them for it, which was bananas. Yeah. Cause they were like, this is weird. And they had only done, I think one movie before, and that movie Dead is called Hooker in a Trunk. Yep, Dead <laughs> Hooker in a Trunk. <laughs> <laughs> which I, I still have not seen that one, but like I think it was basically like them and their friends and a couple of video cameras. Like they both starred in and everything. Yeah. So they had never done anything like really like professional before. So people just were not willing to take a chance. But apparently Eli Roth um, had seen Dead Hooker in a Trunk and took an interest in them and kind of like helped them or was a part of the project whenever they made American Mary, Um, which is, I have a weird question. Why is it called American Mary? Why is it not called Bloody Mary? Yeah. I have always wondered the same thing. <laughs> I'm so they curious. They refer to her as Bloody, as Bloody Mary. Mary. I thought yes. surely her internet name is American Mary. No. And like, they're Canadian. It's filmed in Canada. Catherine Isabel is Canadian. It's Canadian. Yeah. So I don't know. Here's my theory. I think it's because like she's trying to like do everything she can to do everything right and achieve the American dream. Maybe. And then like everything turns dark and she has to like forge her way forward, you know, to make her own dream come true. Like that's the only way I can think of. Is this setting? Is it based in like, do they make reference to America specifically in the film or do they ever really like allude? Yeah. So it's just a generic city. It could be any big city, you know, you know what? Yeah. It's very, the only, like, I thought, like, I was like, okay, it's coming. You know, like, when they end up saying, like, the movie title in the movie, you're like, oh, there it was. Like, I was yeah. waiting for that moment. <laughs> I thought it when, was going to be the internet moment. I thought yeah. it was going to be when um, the uh, strip club owner was fantasizing about her, and you mm-hmm. see her, like, on stage, and mm-hmm. she is in front of a bunch of stars, and then mm-hmm. she's, like, very, you know, she's obviously, like, very pale, and then she pours that, like, blood-like looking <sighs> fluid on that her. Was so that, scene. Cool. Red, yeah. white, that was so cool. That was so cool. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, American Mary. Nope. Huh. <laughs> nope. Who knows? That's a question for them. It's like, yeah. hey, hey, ladies, if I ever meet you again, I'm gonna be like, why American Mary? Like, yeah, why actually, American Mary. On a I side a- note, I have just been waiting for them to do another original project. I'm pretty sure everything they've made since then has been like a sequel or a remake or something. Yeah. Um, and I just feel like. Their talent is being They're squandered. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, sure. I want to see this again because clearly they have an amazing visual style. Um, I just, I'm like, 
come on girls like maybe I don't know maybe like they have some great stories and they can't get funding I don't know but like I I just I'm really really like aching to see another original Saska sisters movie yeah yeah that's yeah here for it i um i read that in their original one for the the um dead hooker in a trunk first of all they couldn't get um much view time because of the name which i find super (laughs) ironic given that it's like two women who are producing so um and i also read that whenever they like obviously they didn't get much uh support and i think they actually attended film school just so they could actually produce a film and i want to say that yeah like you were um referencing nicole um they ended up being just chased out by like all of these pretentious assholes (laughs) you know we're kind of trying to dictate you know how this film should look and what it should be about and i want to say that they ended up maxing out their credit cards just to produce a trailer i heard that that's how it was produced they maxed out wow yeah wow and their dad was the guest surgeon that operated next to uh mary yes that that was their dad i found out yeah yep (laughs) everybody's involved yeah right (laughs) the german guy (laughs) (laughs) that's great oh all right guys so uh per usual this has been uh, a really fun discussion and you know you just can't say enough in an hour hour and a half like we have only scratched the surface of this particular topic um so there are a lot more films and characters out there to explore but i hope that we have given all of our lovely listeners uh some interesting things to think about and some new stuff to watch so ladies before we head out um it's your plug time talk about anything interesting you've been watching what projects you have going on it's your time to shine natalie hit us up um i have been watching a lot of uh joe bob's last drive-in <laughs> on yeah. shutter um he's like a horror host who's joined by his wonderful uh male girl and they go through a bunch of movies uh like rewatch movies and then cut out every like 30 or 40 minutes to give a fun like fun fact uh facts about the movie and it's extremely enjoyable he's very texan hard recommend on that <laughs> um and then I have my art page, Luna the Spook. Um, it's an art Instagram. Uh, it's also an Etsy. But I make uh, really fun prints. I've been actually making a lot of um, hearts for like lovey-dovey season, but they're actually of Ricardio from Adventure Time. So I might put those up. I think they're really funny. Yeah, um, buy a print, folks. <laughs> buy a print. And uh, yeah, lots of wonderful, spooky, kooky art. Love it. Sunny, what you got for us? (laughs) You know, um, ladies, I've actually been lying pretty low these days. Um, My personal life and my work life uh, has been kind of crazy. So I've actually just been trying to make more art for myself on the side. I actually have a vacation coming up next week. And guess what I'm going to do? Make art. So um, I'm just going to basically take all these recommendations and fill my time with crazy movies and podcasts and all that good (laughs) stuff. But Love want to check out my art in the meantime, Nicole. I know I'm tagged in a lot of your posts on Light and Shadow Instagram, but uh, my name on Instagram is Arrows in Arrows. And uh, what about uh, what about Witch of Lakeland? Is that still rolling? I would, you know, it is, but I'm at a stopping point only because, uh, man, true crime is much trickier than uh, it's hard. Some of this other stuff that's like kind of been established. You know, there's mm-hmm. practically essays written about you know half of the films that we talk about. But when you're searching for actual facts, it's a lot harder. I can um, imagine, especially something that you know doesn't or hasn't really gained much attention. Um, 
that you're trying to bring light to. So, um, basically, um, I need to do, I need to find people who are around for all of this in Lakeland at the time. And, um, you know, talk to them, but we'll see what happens. <laughs> well, keep fighting the good fight because whether it's takes you a year or five years or 10 years or whatever, I think this story is going to be great and really cool. Um, so I would just encourage you to keep plugging away on that thing. Um, so one thing that I wanted to mention um, that I've been watching that it's something I've watched before, but I wanted to bring it up because uh, it's relevant to some new news. And that is the documentary on Shutter Horror Noir. Um, it's been out for a couple of years. So, you know, a lot of hardcore horror fans have already seen it. But I know that they I think last year released like an uncut version of it where it's longer. But it is the black history of horror. And it's based on a book that was written by a black female um her name is dr robin r means coleman very smart and artistic woman um and it was produced by two other black women tanana reeve do and uh leisha wessel so it's black horror it's female horror and it's perfect for this month because we it's women in horror month, and it's black history month yeah Bring it on. It's just a big love fest uh, for both. <laughs> so um, if you have not seen Horror Noir, check it out. Um, and there's also just lots of great black horror on Shudder. Just explore that. All right. Well, uh, thank you for uh, joining us on our third annual Women in Horror episode. It's been another great month of recognition and discussion for our people. And I hope all you listeners out there will continue to recognize and celebrate women in the genre, both now and all year long. Later, weirdos. Thanks for tuning in. You can find the show on Instagram and Facebook at Light and Shadow Pod. Sign up to become a supporter on Patreon for early access to all episodes and more. Please rate, review, and subscribe to help other people find the show. Until next time, stay spooky.